Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. Welcome. We are so glad that you're with us today for Jesus the Healer. Thank God for the Word. I know that you're thankful for the Word. I'm thankful. And it is such an honor to get to spend this time around the Word. So thank you for coming and joining us today. We want you to go back and watch previous episodes because we've been teaching on the subject of how to keep your healing. You know, people will get this idea, well, once I'm healed, aren't I always healed? Well, it always belongs to you. Absolutely. But we have an enemy. And he is always trying to steal from us everything that God's ever blessed us with. So it is our privilege to stand our ground. It's our privilege to become skillful with the word, to learn how to skillfully fight the good fight of faith. Amen. Amen. We're not trying to get healed. We are the healed and we're refusing to allow sickness, pain, symptoms, and disease steal our health from us. Amen. We know this, that once we've received healing, when healing is manifested in our body, the devil will try to launch a counterattack. And he will try to bring back old symptoms, old pains to try to again dupe you, deceive you into receiving them back. One of the things that if we're going to uh, hold fast to our healing is we have to keep the door closed to fear. Fear will come. But fear should have no place of entrance in us. Why? Because we have total authority over the spirit of fear. Fear is not simply a feeling. It is a spirit that we have authority over. Amen. And so we want to remind you, always keep the door closed to fear. Um, In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, Paul was writing to Timothy and he said, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. Notice what fear will go after. It's trying to back you down from the exercising your power or your authority. It tries to pull you out of love because I'm going to tell you what, in uh, per- perfect love casteth out fear. Yes. Yes. And n- we see this a sound mind. It tries to affect the thought life. And so fear is a spirit. It must be resisted and you can do it. Amen. You're the one to resist. Uh, Fear knocks on everyone's door. So don't just think that something's wrong with you just because fear showed up. Amen. Uh, Fear tries to intrude upon the life of the believer and you are authorized to keep that door closed. When fear shows up, faith needs to answer. And when thoughts of fear come, answer them. Don't just try to outthink them. You cannot outthink thoughts of fear. You have to answer thoughts of fear and you tell them that's a lie and you answer it specifically with the word of God. Amen. And it doesn't matter if um, if you feel an immediate change or not. Forget what you feel. I said, forget what you feel. The devil will suggest all kinds of thoughts. He'll suggest all fear will suggest all kinds of thoughts. Um, Just refuse to turn them over in your thought life. Refuse to worry. Refuse to worry. How do you know if you're worrying? If you're thinking about it. Amen. Refuse to believe what fear suggests and answer it with the word of God. Another thing that's going to help us stand strong in the face of adversity is to take time to speak in other tongues. 
uh, in Jude, there's only one chapter in the book of Jude, but verse 20 says this, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. When you speak in tongues, take time to quiet the mind, focus on your spirit, pay attention what's going on in your spirit and know this, that speaking in tongues plays an important role in building up your spirit, building your, and building yourself up. Amen. Don't neglect the place, that place and divine privilege of speaking in other tongues because it will help fortify us. And, uh, it turns us toward our spirit. We become more spirit conscious than flesh conscious, body conscious. Amen. Amen. There's uh, three, three or so things that I want to, on this broadcast, we'll close out today. We've been teaching maybe, I think, two weeks or so on this, on ten, about 10 episodes on how to keep your healing. One of the most important things when you receive healing, it matters where you go after you're healed. Yes. Yes. I cannot overemphasize that enough. Where do you go after you're healed. When we look at Jesus's earthly ministry, the New Testament records uh, that different individuals who were healed, many times it shows where they went or speaks of where they went after they were healed. The lame man at the gate beautiful, you'll remember this uh, in the book of Acts chapter three. Remember Peter and John, they're coming up to go to the temple on the, at the time of prayer. And it says that uh, Peter said, uh, well, he was asking silver and gold. And Peter said, such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus. Rise and walk. And he leaped up. And it says that he went into the temple, leaping and praising God. He went with them into the temple. Notice this. He didn't just run off to his buddies. He didn't go back and go fishing. He went towards, he went in a spiritual direction. He went into the church. He went in God's direction. If I could say it that way, he, he began tending to his spiritual life. It matters what you do after you're healed. God heals us and he intends us to use that health for his blessing. To be a vessel he can bless through. To be a vessel he can work through. Amen. Listen, he wants your life well. But he doesn't just heal us so that we can just go live carnal. Go live any way we want to live. It matters. It matters where we go and how we conduct our lives after we're healed. Because um, if we go to wrong places, wrong things happen. So we always want to make sure we're giving precedence to our spiritual life. Amen. Then we find the lame man at the, remember at the pool of Bethesda, um, there was a man who had laid there for 30, he was a, a cripple for 38 years. Jesus went to the pool of Bethesda. You'll remember at that pool that an angel would come down at certain times, uh, not scheduled times because no one knew when he was coming. So they basically set up a makeshift sheds where the sick would just live there around that pool to make sure that when the angel stirred the water, because the first one that got in the water would be healed. So they wanted to make sure they were there when that stirring happened. Jesus walked up on this scene and this man who had been paralyzed uh, and he had been that way for 38 years, Jesus said, wilt thou be made whole? And he said, I have no one to put me in the water. See, he's still looking at the water. And Jesus said, rise, take up your bed and walk. 
and he did. It says after that, the same day, Mm -hmm. it says Jesus was in the temple, found that man in the temple and said, go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Now, remember what I say, it matters how you live, where you go after you're healed. Because uh, when people don't uh, keep tending to their spiritual life Mm -hmm. and they go in a carnal direction, uh, that they're opening the door to the enemy. And so we see that this man who was raised up, where did he go? Jesus didn't tell him go to the temple. He went to the temple, his own hunger, his own honor for God. Amen. It matters that we're hungry for the things of God. That's what I'm talking about. Where we're going after we're healed shows our hunger. Um, What about the 10 lepers? Jesus, uh, they they cried from afar off and they said, uh, have mercy on us. And Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. Where did he send them? To church. Well, why is that? Well, the priest was the only one that could uh, pronounce them clean so that they could again enter society. But notice this. They didn't say, what do you mean by going to the priest? They knew what. They knew what he meant. And so we see that they went and showed themselves to the priest. And as they went, they were healed. Many more healings that occurred under Jesus's earthly ministry took place in the temple. Some took place in other locations where he was teaching the word. So see, uh, there was a hunger in people. And so it matters where you go after you're healed. Amen. Many people will come to a church. They'll have a minister, a pastor, uh, minister to them, lay hands on them, but they never really intend to give attention to their spiritual life afterwards. Um, I have found many times that when I'll do a, a week-long miracle crusade, and I always encourage the people, come to as many services as you can. The last night we, the last night of the crusade, we always lay hands on those who want hands laid on them for healing. Much of the time during the week, the Holy Spirit has us to minister all through the week yeah. uh, to those who need healing. Just as He leads, we do that. But especially the last night, we always on purpose minister to the sick. And I tell them, come before because I don't just want you to come and get your healing and leave and think there's not, there's, that's all there is to it. We've got to run ignorance out of our life. We've got to learn the word. We've got to hear the word because that's going to play into how we're able to hold fast to our healing once we receive our healing. Amen. Uh, very often people will lose their healings, uh, in the setting where they have neglected their own spiritual growth and development. They did not feed on the word. They did not continue to develop their faith. They didn't continue to feed their faith. And the devil takes advantage of their lack of faith to bring things back on them. It's not God doing it. It's not a punishment from God. It's because when they neglect feeding their faith, Mm -hmm. the devil will take advantage of them. He knows they're an easy target and he will again try to put that sickness back on them. Now, I want to spend some time talking about also um, to hold fast to your healing. You need a pastor. It's going to help you 
hold fast to your healing to have a pastor. Some people will say, well, I don't have to go to church to be saved. Well, um, you can get saved anywhere because the Holy Ghost is anywhere. You, somebody can minister to you in a grocery store. They can minister to you in a store, uh, you know, in the mall. They can minister to you at some other location and you can receive Jesus anywhere. But to grow up, you have to be taught. To grow up spiritually. To grow up spiritually. To develop a spiritual life, you need to be taught. You know, we take time to send our children to some kind of school system, whether it's a public school system, a private one, a homeschooling. We always put our children in a setting to where they're being taught. Why? So that they can develop academically. They can be educated academically. Why? Because that's going to help them in life to have some knowledge about some things, right? It's a safety to them. It's a help to them. It's part of proper development. Well, even so, our spiritual life has to be developed. We, we can't, we don't want to just sit and be, say we're self-taught. Spiritual things, you need help to be taught by somebody who knows God better than you. Um, we don't have to go to church to be saved, but we do have to go to church to obey God. To obey God's word. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, uh, do not neglect to assemble together. And the Amplified says, which is the habit of some people. And um, we need the fellowship of other believers. We need the voice and the anointing of a pastor speaking into our life because it will help fortify us. Know this, Jesus went to church. <laughs> he went to church. Uh, Luke chapter four and verse 16, it says that Jesus was, in, he was in the temple and he came, let me read it to you. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. As his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. So his custom was twofold. He went to the synagogue and he stood up to read. So evidently one of his roles in the local church, in the synagogue, was he would help read the scriptures. So he had this spiritual habit. If Jesus, the son of God, found it important to be in church, we as the sons of God need to give importance to being part of a local church. We need to be taught. I said, we need to be taught. If not, we will be spiritually weak and the devil will have no trouble overthrowing us. We need to be educated spiritually. Amen. Those who do not attend a church, can you still go to heaven? Sure you can, but you'll struggle in your Christian life unnecessarily. Jesus gave, Ephesians chapter four talks about Jesus gave us gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teacher for the perfecting of the saints or the maturing of the saints. So we need those gifts and primarily we need the pastor because he's the one that lives with the sheep. All the others can primarily be traveling ministries, um, primarily. Sometimes you'll have teachers that are local in a local church that will help with the pastor, alongside the pastor. But um, 
primarily the pastor is the one who's going to live with the sheep. He's the one that's going to help us in the, in the different circumstances of life that's going to instruct us. Uh, I want to look at Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35 and 36. Uh, it reads, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching where? In their synagogues. If they didn't go to church, there was some teachings they weren't going to hear. They could only hear him in the synagogue in a lot of these situations. He was out among the people. There were times he would sit in the boat. He'd sat in Peter's boat and Mm -hmm. taught from the boat. But primarily we see him teachings in in the synagogues too. Mm -hmm. So Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So notice what he did in these synagogues, teaching, Uh preaching, and healing. If people weren't going to go to church, they weren't going to receive that teaching. They weren't going to receive that preaching and they weren't going to receive the healing. That's 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 right. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Notice they followed him into the synagogue, but it doesn't say that that's where they normally went because they didn't have a shepherd. Um, Notice their condition when they came to him to be taught. When they came to receive of his ministry, they they were sick. The condition of the multitude without a shepherd was they were sick. Having a shepherd will help you walk in your healing. When you're, I'm talking about one that teaches you the word, teaches you the healing word. Notice it says here, it says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. That's what happens with sheep having no shepherd. They faint scattered abroad. If a runner is running a race and he faints, he, he doesn't reach the full, the fullness of the course. If he faints, uh, he quits along the way. He falls out along the way. Uh, we don't, we're running a race. We don't want, we want to finish our course. Yeah. Here, and it says they were scattered abroad. You know, sickness is the scattering of health. Yeah. Uh, divorces are the scattering of a marriage, right? Anything that breaks up and scatters. So uh, the pastor has the anointing on him to keep your life from being scattered, to help keep you from fainting if we're a good student of the word that's preached there. Amen. Amen. So it's important that we have a pastor. I said it's important. Um, The devil has an open target on sheep without a shepherd Mm -hmm. in a sense that um, Paul talks about that um, the pastor is, has oversight of the sheep. If we're not part of a local church, who has oversight of us? Who's watching out for our souls? You see, we need the help of someone else who knows God better than us. It's a, it's, if I could say this, it's another protection a layer of protection. It's part of the security system of God. Amen. And uh, it's not just about attending a church, but it's also saying, Pastor, I'm here to learn. It's not just showing up, but it's being teachable. It's being submitted to a pastor. That um, that's, that's a positive word. It's not a negative word. It's a protection to have somebody that we're submitted to because then we have someone we can go to 
and we can say, can you help me with this? Can you believe with me for that? Can you give me, tell me what God's word says about this need that I'm facing. Like I said, um, Hebrews chapter 13, let me read it to you. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17 says, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls. Notice this, obey them that have the rule over you. So somebody needs to have a voice into your life. Someone needs to be speaking God's word into your life. And you say, well, you know, I have this traveling minister. I go, uh, you know, I go listen to their meetings or this traveling minister, but it's a pastor that lives with a sheep. I mean, I, I've pastored for 25 years. I travel now full time and my, my children, my family helped me pastor the church here in Murrieta, California. But um, people need help. They can't just travel with me. They need somebody who stays where they live. And that's that shepherd that's going to stay there and be available to them and have oversight over their soul. Now here it says, obey them that had the rule over you. Somebody can't be over you with their faith and over you with their help and their gifting and their anointing if you won't come under and submit and say, I'm here to be taught. Amen. I I want to be teachful. And notice it says, for they watch for your souls. They watch. They'll see things about your life. There's an anointing on the office of the pastor to see things that others won't be able to see. I'm not talking about to see so that you can be critical or judge. I'm talking so they can pray for you, so they can speak God's word into your life to help you be a doer of it. Amen. And uh, just being faithful to a church and submitting to a pastor, being teachable will help you stand strong. When opposition comes, when symptoms try to come, you have somebody standing with you. Amen. So you need to uh, find a church that preaches healing. That's right. You know, I know this as a minister, I only get what I teach. If I don't teach healing, healing won't happen in the services. If I don't preach prosperity, prosperity won't flow. Uh, A minister receives what he teaches, what he preaches. Well, even so, a congregation member can only receive what they're taught. And if you're not taught healing, you won't know healing. You know, it matters that uh, we've had this through the years that someone would need healing and they would come to our services and receive healing. And then maybe they were visiting or something in town and they go back to their own church that didn't believe in healing. And what happens? Uh, they have no one to help them to stand whenever, whenever opposition comes to try to rob their health from them. It's a life and death situation of what church you go to. It's a life, it's life and death. What, what you know about the word or what you don't know about the word. It matters. Amen. So we need to be a part of a local church where we're being taught what belongs to us in Christ. It's not just about saying, I attend church. What is, what is being imparted to you? What are you learning? You know, um, because Thank God for a local church, but we have to be taught the word in that church so that we'll know how to believe. Amen. Amen. Um, Right now, what I want to do, I want to pray with those of you 
maybe you need healing. Or maybe you say, Pastor Nancy, I've, I've received healing in a measure. Mm-hmm. I've, I've had improvement, but I need to receive a wholeness. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Or you say, I've received healing, but I can tell symptoms are trying to come back. Right. Well, we want to release our faith with you. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. Because healing belongs to you. So we ask you, reach your hands toward this screen right now. And we, we will reach our faith. Yes. Extend our faith in your direction. And we say, Satan, you take your hands off God's property in Jesus' name. You take your hands off their minds. You take your hands off their bodies. We tell symptoms to go. We tell disease to go. We tell pain to go. We tell sickness to go in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Father, for healing power. We receive the healing power of God right now from the top of our heads to the soul of our feet. Father, we believe in the power of God. We believe that your power is working right now. Your power is working in our bodies right now. It's working in their body right now from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. And we receive it in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Um, As I've said before, It's not your faith that heals. It's your faith that invites God and invites the power of God to heal. Don't you you think, well, I've got to get rid of symptoms. I've got to get rid of pain. No, you don't. The power of God deals with it. The power of God addresses, you rest on him. You release your faith and rest on him because faith is a rest and it's resting on him. Amen. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.